Blog Talk Radio. I come to the garden alone while I do still on the rose roses and the voice I heard while I journey there with none other but the Son of, of God. He walked with me and he taught with me and he tells, tells me I am his own and the joy we shared it why we tear it down, none others have ever known. Yea, I come to the garden alone, wild, wild to do, still on, on the roses. And the voice, the voice I heard while I journeyed out was none other but the Son of, of God. He watched me and he talked with me and he tells, tells me I am his own and the joy. The joy, the joy we shared. Why we, why we, why we tear it down? Well, none others have ever known. If you don't mind, I feel a little something that. Let me say it again. I come. We all need to come to the garden. That is a place where you find refuge. That's a place where silence. That's a place where you can meet God. That's a quiet place. It's a secret place. It's a garden place. Wherever that is in your house, your backyard, in your car, on your job, in your prayer closet, that is a garden. Every now and then it's good to come to the garden alone with nobody, not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, or not your problem. Don't even bring your problem to your God. You'll come to meet him there. Come to worship him there. Oh, come to lift him up there. Come to embark him there. Shata e ka ba boo come and meet him there. I come to the garden alone. Wow, wow to do early in the morning before the sun come up, before the roots are crows. Wow to do, wow to before daybreak, before, before the children get up, before the husband get up, before the wife get up, before the neighbor get up. Wow to do, still on on the roses and the voice. The voice I heard, I feel the anointing falling on, on my ears. None other have ever been known. This is Apostle Alexander Locker of the Burning Bush Church, 
North 13th Street in Irving, North Carolina. I come this evening led by the Spirit to say what thus said the Lord, whether I sing or whether I pray to where I preach, to God be the glory. Somebody need to know this afternoon as I come. God is calling somebody to the garden. You're so busy and you're occupied in your daily chores, working on your job. Maybe you got two jobs. You may have three jobs. And maybe they that is something they have occupied your time. Something you're worrying about, something you're troubled about, and in doing so, you're not finding time with God. You're not spending time in a prayer room, in a prayer closet. You're so occupied, you don't know when you really had a good relationship, a good conversation, a good talk with God. You're trying to fix it yourself. You're trying to work it out yourself. You're trying to add it out yourself when God is the only one that can do it. Because if God can't do it, nobody else can do it. By now, you should know it's going to take God to do it. The more time you spend with God, listen to me. The more time you spend with God, the smaller your problem will get. The more time you spend with God, the smaller your sickness will get. The more time you spend with God, the smaller your trouble will get. The more time you spend with God, the smaller your worrisome will get. The reason your circumstances, the reason your situation, the reason they are so big because you spend so much less time with God. When you spend more with time with God, I tell you what, he'll put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Have you not read the scripture? For the scripture said, in the presence of the Lord, in fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. God don't want you worried all the time. He don't want you miserable all the time. He don't want you sick all the time. He don't want you troubled all the time. He wants you to have joy. He want to fill your heart with joy. Ecclesiastes said he wants joy in your heart. You know, my wife was reading the other day, and we read in there where it said, God wants you to enjoy the labor of your hand, eat, drink. And be merry and serve the Lord and enjoy the lay of your hand and he might fill your heart with joy. God wants you to be happy. That's why you think the Holy Ghost came. It came to bring joy. Not just natural joy, not earthly joy. Not fleshly joy and carnal joy, but the Holy Ghost came to bring supernatural joy. Joy you ain't never seen before. Joy that marijuana can't give you. Uh, joy that drugs can't give you. Uh, joy that your husband and wife can't give you. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. God wants somebody happy this season. So you can serve God better if you're happy. You can deal, you can deal with your trials better if you're happy. But the problem is we keep on walking around so sad, so disappointed, so heavy-hearted, and on our prayer and feeling our joy because we won't get in the presence of the Lord. Just get in God's presence. Isn't that right? Worrying about trying to pay your bills. Hey, don't want your credit to be bad. Listen. You pay them tithes, don't worry about them bills. If you pay your tithe, God will pay your bill. I hear you don't take your tithe money. I don't know why I'm getting on this. Don't take your tithe money, trying to pay the bill, trying to get out of debt. Then you're going to pay your tithe later on, and now your debt done got worried. No, baby, what you need to do is pay your tithe. Don't worry about your bill. God, I guarantee you, if you pay your tithe, God going to pay your bill. Quit worrying about nothing. Quit worrying about so many things and come to the God. Still away with God. Give God more of your time. And I guarantee you, oh, you will see a difference. You will see such a difference. And the joy we share while we tarry down none other. Can't you see me in the spirit? Come on, close your eyes and get in the spiritual realm and see me sitting there in the garden with the Lord. See God sitting there on one side, I'm sitting on the other, and we're talking to one another. And I'm sharing my problem with him, and I know he's able to answer. He's able to solve my problem. He'll do the same for you. See yourself sitting in the garden. I feel the anointing on that. See yourself sitting in the garden with the Lord. Come on, feel away. You know, that's what Jesus did. 
He still went to the Garden of Assembly. He took his disciples there. That was a place of refuge. That was a place of comfort. That was a place that nobody else knew. Now, you don't need to be telling people where your garden is because Jesus did not tell them. They did not tell them nobody where his garden was. He only took the disciples there. And he was still away, and he would pray for comfort, pray for strength, pray for protection, pray that God would give him wisdom and knowledge and guidance, how to lead the people, heal the people, to set the people free. And that's what you do when you go to your garden. You go there and pray about things that you want God to do and know that God would do it. And Jesus would always steal away to the garden, and he would go there and pray. So you need to find your garden. And when you find that garden, you need to pray there in that garden. So in that garden, you're going to find joy unspeakable. The Lord is going to meet you there. He's going to heal your body. He's going to regulate your mind. He's going to restore your marriage. While you're fighting your hood, you need to go to the garden. Come on, women. You're so easy you want to take matters in your own hands. You're so easy to get an attitude. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, it's so easy for a woman to be hooked to add to it as it is a man. Now, a man get mad, and he'll just go ahead and fix it and get it over with. But a woman get an Addie. And Addie might last tomorrow, next week, next Christmas. Addie might not be over to Thanksgiving or Christmas or, or the January or next year. So when you get an Addie, an attitude, attitude get worse. It don't get no better. As long as you got an attitude about a thing, it's going to get worse and worse. If it's your husband done wrong, if your wife done wrong, their children done wrong, Wrong, or your neighbor or supervisor get wrong, as long as you walk with Addie and an attitude, it ain't going to get no better. They're going to fuck and you're going to fuck. You're going to try to handle it yourself when you're dealing with Addie because that's what Addie tell you to do. Addie tell you to close off your heart of compassion. You get mad. You get angry. You get mean. You get, uh, you, you, you're unreachable. Can't nobody tell you nothing because you're caught up in Addie. But I come out and tell you later, let Addie go. Quit being mad at that man. He, You can't say not no man. You should have knew that before you married him in the first place. You can't say not no man. Getting mad at him ain't going to fix it. Get angry with him ain't going to fix it. You're trying to fix it. You can't fix it. He ain't going to get no better as long as you fuss at him, as long as you threaten him, as long as you're talking about you're going to leave. He's not going to change him. God got to change him. God made man. God having a problem with him and say, how the world you think you're going to control it when God can't even control it? He want to do what the Lord say. And then you think you're going to make him do what you want to do? If what you need to do is give him to the Lord. Commit him to God, baby. Get him to God. Tell God about it. Tell God to fix your man. Tell God to fix your wife. Quit fussing. Quit losing your joy. You don't want the last time. I'm talking to some woman right now. You don't know the last time you've been happy. Baby, that's not God's will for you to sit around in a house sad all day long. Listen, I want to tend to go this way this evening. I may get to my lesson, but I got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to help somebody see, but that's what I'm here for. The Bible said God is seated on high, and they give, he gave gifts unto men for the edifying of the Spirit, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the turning down of strongholds, for the perfecting of the saints. My gift was given to me to better you, to perfect you, to help you. I didn't come on this afternoon to judge you. I didn't come out and see the point finger at you. Jesus said he came not to judge. He came not to condemn, but to bring people to repentance. I come to help you out of your situation. That's what I'm on for this hour is to help you. I'm on this hour for you, not for me. I'm on this hour to allow God to use me to help your life be better, to help you be better, help your relationship be better, whatever you're going through. And when this, when this, when this, when this program is over this afternoon, that you will be feel better, that I'll be to accomplish something by the power of the Holy Ghost to make you a better person, to see you to look at things in a different way, in a different outlook, handle things in a different manner. 
So why I'm talking to you this evening? Yes, your husband ain't perfect. You did not murder per you God. Listen, if you wanted a perfect man, you should have asked God for a robot with a knob on his back so you could turn him on and turn him out. Your husband ain't no robot. You can't turn him on. You can't turn him out. Your attitude ain't helping none. You sleeping on one side of the bed, and he's sleeping on the lid. He's sleeping on the couch. Because if he cheated on you, you know, baby, baby, please listen to me. If he cheated on you, the couch ain't the place that you need him to be. He done cheated on you. need that man laying inside your baby behind you. That way you need him, man. Putting him on the couch ain't going to solve no problem. All you're going to do is run him in the Jettabelle hand, baby. Jettabelle right down the tube. When Jada Bell found out, baby, that you got your man sleeping on the couch, Jada Bell, hey, Jada Bell going to come, come looking for him. So you got to understand, Jada Bell got a job, too. They call Jada Bell the cleanup woman. Her job is to clean up what you what you messed up. You throw it out the door, Jada Bell going to pick it up and clean up. Jada Bell ain't got that old foolish feeling that you got, that old that old, that old old addy that you got where you so mad that he cheated on you and did you wrong and you just so mad you're going to punish him. You're going to make him feel on the couch. You're going to do this. You ain't going to cook his meal. You ain't going to wash the clothes. You're just going to punish him. No, you ain't. You're going to do nothing running right in the hand of the woman that he messed up with in the first place. Forgive the man, baby, and just keep on being the wife that you are. Get rid of that attitude. Get rid of that attitude and love that man like Christ told you. Wow, love your husband and Christ loved you. Love that man. Forgive that man. Give him another chance. I understand if you keep on doing it over and over again, I can understand you've been upset. But but he messed up, and you ain't forget what last year, year before, five years ago. Every time something come up, you bring up what he did. Every time it looked like he fit to do something, standing near some woman, some woman all in his face, there you go with that attitude. Here you go. He got to fight you when he get home because some woman stood beside him five minutes longer than you thought she should have. Forgive him. Truly forgive him. You say, well, I have. Well, let's put a check. Let's really do a test this afternoon. Let's see how you forgave him. Let's do a random, random, random test this evening. Every time you see her, how you feel? If you feel like slapping in her face, if you feel like putting her in the head of her, if you feel like putting on a top ring and falling back doing a suplex with her, you ain't forgave her, baby. If you get all mad and get an attitude and go looking at him while you want to slap him, you have not forgave him, baby. Forgiveness can be a forgiveness can be a tricky thing. It can make you think you forgave when you really hadn't forgave. Forgive that man, girl. Forgive him so your marriage can grow. Your marriage is stunned. Your marriage ain't going to it. God can't even hardly use him like he wants to because God, because he can't say nothing about no woman. He can't be near no woman. He can't no woman be near him. He got ministry. He got work to do, but he can't do it because you sitting there with that attitude. Get rid of it. God forgave you of 10,100 million sin. God forgave you when he saved you. He forgave you for so many sins, nobody can't even count them. Now, why you can't forgive him for the sin he committed? You ain't the only one some man made a mistake. You ain't the only husband or wife that been your husband cheated on. You there were millions of wives out there. They went on. Well, they had the right attitude. Why you can't go on and have the right attitude? I'm trying to help somebody and saying go with the men. Forgive that woman if she cheated on you. Forgive her. Especially up in the pulpit. I ain't see so many marriages break up in the pulpit. You talking about you a deacon. You you talking about you evangelist. You talking about you an apostle. And you're gonna walk out of a relationship. Don't you know you setting an example? Don't you know God's gonna judge you for that? You holding an example. You just can't walk out the relationship. I know you don't feel good. It ain't about your feelings. You made a vow. You vowed to stay with her. He vowed to stay with you. Then you're going to walk out the relationship and go marry somebody else like he doesn't mean nothing. You've got to stand before God for that marriage, and you've got to make sure you got out of it the right way and not causing your feelings, not because you burnt the food. 
not because you made a mistake. We ought to forgive one another. And it's time that the church get the act together. It's time to get the Bible back in its place and people up in leadership positions, getting more divorces and people out there ain't even saved. We told we know the way. How in the world going to know the way if we didn't know the way, get out of the way? We got to set an example. We got to stay together. Let God fix that, baby. Don't you get out of that, man? I see something right now, about right now. And leadership position. <laughs> Apostle, preacher, evangelist, teachers, leaders at the verge of divorce. God said not so. But God hates divorce. God said not so. Get out of your feelings. Sit down and talk this thing over with. Get Addie out the way. Don't take Addie to the meeting. Because if you take Addie to the meeting, you ain't going to solve the problem. And when you go to the meeting, when you get together, when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you bring this thing up, don't, don't be angry at one another. Don't judge one another. Don't accuse one another. You can never solve a problem if everybody says, I'm innocent. Just act like you both are guilty and sit down and lay this thing on the table and pray and ask God to help y'all to put this thing behind y'all and go on and be the ministry. Go on and be the ones that God called you to be. So God calling you to be great. God calling you out of darkness into the light. God calling you to be the example that he can use you. Get rid of this animosity. Get rid of this unforgiveness. That's what my lesson is about this afternoon since I bought it there. It's about unforgiveness. I done talked about that the other day, but God told me to talk about it again. Unforgiveness. We just, we just somehow or another, we are leaders. We are Christian people. And we're holding on to unforgiveness when we've been told that if we don't forgive, God won't forgive. You cannot go to heaven with unforgiveness in you. I've come out and tell you, you say we say, say the fire, Holy Ghost, feel fire baptized. I don't care when you speak, the ground shake. If you've got unforgiveness in you, you're not going to be forgiven. And how you go to heaven if you ain't forgiven? you got to forgive. And I just bless the Lord of that. So I'm going to get into the lesson. I just pray that this has helped somebody. I'm trying to help marriages now. Not only only natural marriages, may not, you may not even be saved. You may not be in the church. This might help you as well. But I'm trying to help marriages, especially in the church. It bothers me to see leaders, evangelists, and apostles, and prophets. And pray, prophesied, talking about dust to the Lord. If God said dust to the Lord, why the dust to the Lord ain't said nothing to you? How are you going to dust to the Lord and tell somebody else something and dust to the Lord ain't said nothing to you? You first got to dust to the Lord to you. You first got to be partic of what you're preaching. You first got to be partic because God don't like the voice. God wants you to stay together. I don't know why. Let me hang on in here. God wants you to lay that mess down, put it under your feet, forgive one another, kiss one another. Love one another. Get back in the bed with one another. Put that mess behind you. Get that meanness out of your wife. Oh, I see that meanness. I see that meanness in the spirit. I see that. Your meanness, done, oh, my God. Your meanness done, spirit done turned to scornfulness. But the Bible said it's better to, to be in the way of a bear that's mad of his cub. Now, you think about a she-bear that lost her cub. And that she-bear mad at her. You can walk with a well cub in the hand. Somebody I bought your bear back. You think that she-bear curled and think about you? That she-bear going to slap your head off you with her cub in her hand and she mad too. And the Bible said it's better to be in the path of a she-bear that lost her cub than be in a room with a scornful woman that is angry. She's so vendetta, set the bed on fire, set the car on fire. Throw some grease on you, a grit or something that she's mad. And Scott says, I see scorn for this in some of you wives. You so mad, you're scornful. He better not touch you. He put his hand on you, but get your hands off of me. How mean can you be? Baby, get rid of that meanness. 
I'm helping somebody. See, if I don't preach, I'm be get rid of that meanness. Let that meanness go. I'm in the Bible. I ain't just saying something this I do. I got stripped behind me. Get rid of it. For the Bible says bitterness is not of God. That bill you got in you, you talk about I got a right to be this way because he cheated on me. He did me wrong. And then it was his his bed friend, my bed friend, or it was my cousin, or, or, or it was one of the church members. And you think that's an excuse for you to be mean? You done done worse. God told me to tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost. You done done, done worse since he sinned it against you than what he done to you. God said your attitude, your goodness, your, your behavior have, 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 have been so, so negative in God's presence than, than it was a mistake that the man made. He made a mistake. Yes, he did. But since then, you've been raising sand. You've been burning fire. I could use some other words that wouldn't be proper. But you've been raising sand. You've been mean. You've been vendetted. Uh-huh. You've been scornful. You ain't did your duty. You know when the last time you did your duty, I ain't just talking about so much in the bedroom. You know when the last time you've been a proper wife, like you ought to be toward that man. You stand with him trying to make him miserable and think that that baby, you ain't God, you ain't judge, and you've been judging him. And that's why you ain't been blessed, why things been standing still. But I come out and help somebody this season, and I'm trying to be an obedient to the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to be the guy in this lesson, but the Holy Ghost got me here. And I'm trying to be obedient, trying to help somebody. You need to let it go. You need to forgive that man and truly forgive him and let it go. You need to go to your bedroom and cry if you got to. You need to say, Lord, I'm wrong. I've been doing my husband wrong. I've been doing my wife wrong. I've been making them sleep on the couch. I've been I've been sleeping on one side of the bed, he on the hood. I won't let him touch it. I ain't cooked his breakfast, Lord. Huh? Let me tell you something, another. And I'm telling you this. I know times are different, <clears throat> different now than they used to be. But my dad ran the street. My dad ran the street. My dad worked all week long. My dad worked all week long, and my dad would go out on Friday night. And maybe not to me, he might would come home to Sunday morning. He may back come at home Saturday night. But my mama, well, I had eight brothers and two sisters. My mama did not go running after my dad. I never heard my mama felt such at my dad when my dad came back and knowing he was out there doing something, whether he was running women, whether he was drinking liquor, what mischievousness my daddy was doing, I never heard my mama fuck at him. If he came back in on Monday morning, he came in in time to take a bath, and she would have his meal on the table, and she would ask him, have you eat yet? How can you ask a man that when he done stayed out all night? Now, my mama was a woman of God. She was a virtuous woman. She cared for her children. She cared for her house. She did not tell her home. She realized she couldn't change my dad. Huh? But I knew that one day, years later, my dad drank liquor just like water. And my mama was a praying woman. And she raised them children and let daddy do what he wanted to do. If he hanged out all night, he hanged out all night. If he did wrong, he did wrong. Mama just loved him the way he was. You hear what I say? But one day, and my dad got older, and my daddy drank liquor, and my, and, and my mama wanted my dad to stop drinking the liquor. And he said he won't want to drink, stop. He'd been drinking ever since he was seven years old, and now he is 40-something. And my dad was drinking liquor like water. He would take liquor to, to, to work in the morning for breakfast and dinner and supper. That's what he had all day long, huh? And he worked like a mighty man, as long as he could drink the liquor. But my mama prayed. And she prayed to Oral Robertson. She prayed to Billy, Billy Graham back then, them old days. She prayed to those, 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 those pastors of old. And she prayed to them that God would help my dad stop drinking. And my dad told my mama, you're wasting your time, baby, because I ain't going to stop drinking. I've been drinking ever since I was seven years old. 
and I'm going to be drinking when I die. But the next week, the next week, my daddy got up on a Monday morning, and my daddy started to drink that liquor, and the liquor came back up. My daddy told my mama, it's just a virus. Ain't no prayer make me stop drinking. It ain't nothing but a virus. So my daddy waited to Wednesday, and he drank the gan, and it came back up. Then he waited later on down in the week, and my daddy drank some more liquor, and it came back up. My daddy realized that God had did something, and my daddy quit drinking. So God took the appetite away, took the desire away. God wouldn't let the liquor stay down on the inside of it. My daddy became a new man because my mama prayed, and she believed. She didn't take matters in her own hands. She didn't cut them out. She didn't throw no grits on him. She didn't throw no hot grease on him. She didn't try to fix it herself, but she gave it to God. I've come out to tell somebody, tell some wife this afternoon, baby, I'm trying to help you. I know I look like I'm staying on this, and I'm going to stay on it because that's what God told me to do because I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help your marriage. I'm trying to help your home. I'm trying to help your children. When you break up marriage, when you tear up a house, baby, you don't only just hurt you. You just don't only hurt him. You hurt the children. You hurt the brothers and sisters. You hurt family members, folks that love you, folks that believe in you. When you do this, you hurt them. You you bring separation. You bring division. You help hurt more than just yourself. So stay there. Ask God to fix it, baby. Stay in this marriage. Let your marriage be the one. You you look back down to your ancestors. You find out that your mom, your aunt, your uncle, everybody in the family had a divorce. Nobody stayed with their husband. Nobody stayed with their wife. Well, let you be an example. You'll be the example of the one that's going to bring a change in your generation. Let your generation be the one that'll stay with your man. He ain't perfect. She ain't perfect. Ain't none of us perfect. That's why we forgive. We forgive and we give it to God so he can take away the hurt. Yes, a hurt may be the baby, but God will take the hurt away. God will take that hurt away. He cheated on you. He did you wrong. He infidelity. Yes, that hurt. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't hurt, but I'm telling you to give it to God. Let God take the hurt away <clears throat> so that you two can live together and, and, and happy matrimony. You can live together in peace. You can raise those children and sit at that table. And pray. Get back at the table. Husband and wife, get back at the table. Especially you that got the little children. Children eating in one room. Husband eating in one room. Wife eating in another room. Bring that thing back to the table. Bring prayer back to the table. Make the children. You the boss. You don't get them to decide what they want to do. You the boss. Bring the prayer back to the table. Let everybody eat at the table. Bring family back together. Family that pray together, stay together. Bring the family back together. I hope I'm helping somebody. Bring this family back together. Let go of this animosity. Let go of this remorse. In the name of Jesus. Yes, yes. My lesson today is, as a close out, if God can forgive you and remove your doubt, your sin and doubt, then why can't you forgive others? If God can forgive you, your sin and your doubt, why can't you forgive others? Matthew 18, 23 through 35, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his account up to date with servants who have borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors were brought in who owed him a million dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold alone with his wife, his children, everything he owns, to pay the debt. 
But a man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few dollars, a few dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison, until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called, and the man he had forgave and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you plead with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father would do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Let me read that last part again. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Second Corinthians 3 and 13 says, be tolerant of one another and forgive each other. If anyone has a complaint against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also should forgive. Forgive. I'm going to highlight, stay right here. Might take it out on this verse. I don't know. But I want you to understand that this part of the scripture was written so Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was trying to get an understanding across to them. The parable was really basically a simple parable. And you know what I said. It talked about a king who called his servant to give an account of what they owed him because some of his work had got deep in debt and hadn't paid up. And, and in those days, if you didn't pay a debt, a person could have you, not just a king, but a person could have you thrown in prison and, and arrested and thrown in prison, and you stay there until the debt is paid. Now, all depending on whether somebody loves you enough, cared about you enough, or you had some money laid aside that you can get somebody to go get and come pay the debt is you can get out of prison. But you stayed there until the debt was paid, whether it was a day, a week, a month, year or 10 years, or the rest of your life. Until that debt got paid, you stay right there in prison. Sometimes they throw the whole family in there, the wives, the children, everybody. And this is the answer debt where this man over a million dollars. So everybody in his family is going to get thrown into jail. How this man going to pay a million? A million dollars is a lot of money. How this man going to pay a million dollars? He in jail. He, he ain't got nobody to love him that much, no family member that love him that much to pay that million dollars. That means his life is over with. His family life is over with. His children life is over with. But the king, he begged the king and said, please, sir, <clears throat> please have mercy on me. <clears throat> please forgive me for my sin. Please forgive me for what I owe you. I don't know how I'm going to pay you, sir. I don't, please don't throw me in a prison. Give me a chance to go work it out. I, just give me a I'll pay a little by little. But not only did the king forgive him after the man felt so sorry, the king felt sorry for the man. Not only did he forgive the man, he told the man he was debt free. You ain't got to go work it out. You don't owe me nothing. Go on about your business. This man, please help me. 
this man must have been lacking a little education. This man, to me, seemed like he needed to be sending the door to your dick. Uh, he, he would have a mental problem. For him to have the audacity after he had just been forgiven for all that million dollars, he went down the street and found a man that owed him $150, $200, just a few money, just a few dollars compared to a million dollars. This man only owed him a few dollars, just a few dollars. How many dollars that would it won't even much? And the man did the same thing to him. Said, sir, please forgive me. Give me a chance to pay. I'll pay a little by little. Give me a chance to pay my debt, and I will pay you. The Bible tells you he grabbed the man by the neck. Now, the king didn't even grab him by the neck. The king could have grabbed him by the neck and choked him, but the king didn't. He grabbed the man by the neck, choked the man out in the public in front of everybody, choked the man down, by, choked the man to death, told the man, you're going to pay me. Then told them to take the man, the creditors, told them to take them and throw him into prison. Had the man locked up in prison because the man couldn't pay him that little bit that he owed. And when those men saw it that were there that day, they were there when the king forgave this man. They were there. They heard the king forgive him. They heard the man begging the king. So they followed him when he left. So now they're going to go back and tell the king, say, king, look what this man did. You just forgave this man of a million dollars. He went down the street, king, found a man that owed him but 150 maybe $200. And king, he choked the man. He choked the man, King, and then he had the man thrown in the prison, the wives and children, everything. He did what he did to him. And, King, I'm just so disappointed that this man would do this out of you and forgave him for a million dollars. The King called the man back and had the man arrested, walked back in, went and sent the law after the man. The law went and got the man, brought the man back. man didn't know that the King was going to say what he said, and he brought him out before the King. I guess he thought the King was going to give him something else. The King said to him, Sir, did I not just forgive you for a million dollars? Did I not just forgive you for all your debt? Did I not just give you another chance? How then could you be so wicked that you to go out there and find a man that only owed you a few dollars and you choked that man? You beat him up, I heard you choked him, and throw the man in prison. You showed no mercy. I just showed you mercy. I showed you compassion. I mean, you owe me a million dollars. That's a lot of money. And I forgave you. That ought to make you leave here rejoicing. You ought to left me happy. You ought to went and told the man, you can have that little bit of money you owe me because the king forgave me. But no, you went out there and became what well, evil. You went out there and, and did an evil, a evil thing. Now, I'm going to have you thrown in the prison. I'm going to have your wife and children thrown in the prison, and you shall stay there until you pay me. Now, look what happened. This man went out and did the wrong thing. He didn't have another love and compassion to forgive after he was forgiven. What God is trying to say, what God is trying to say, let me tell you what God is trying to say. What God has forgave me and you and for, we like the million We like the million dollars. God has forgave us for so much. Ain't nobody in the world done nothing to you as much as it is that God has forgave you, that you need to forgive them. Maybe they wrong you a little bit, maybe so, but it ain't no comparison. So when God saved me, I ain't no telling how many sins I have committed for my youth. I got saved when I was 21. I don't know how many sins I committed until I was 21. A million, 10 million, 100 trillion. I don't know. I sit it every minute, every hour, every day. Add all that up. I just lived in sin. You know, I walked in sin. I talked in sin. Hung around sin for fun. However many sins I committed, I wouldn't even begin to try to count them. But when God shaked me, he didn't count my sins. 
He forgave me for all my sin right then. He washed me and put him out of the blood. He put him behind him. He cast him to the sea of forgiveness. So he did you the same way. The same God saved me and the same God that saved you. And he cast your sin in the sea of forgiveness. You too have millions, a billion, a trillion, a zillion. I ain't no telling how many sins you have committed before you got saved. And God forgave you for him right then, just like that. So why you ain't forgave that man that took your shovel and didn't bring it back? That person that you lend a few dollars to. You might say, well, Pastor, that was a few hundred I gave him. You might even say, well, Pastor, that was a few thousand I gave him. I know. But forgive them. Let it go. Don't even worry about it no more. Quit calling them up. Quit calling them names. Quit calling them a liar. Quit telling everybody that you gave them that, that $2,000. They didn't pay you back. Don't tell nobody else that God is displeasing you. What you mean, Apostle? Why would God be displeasing me? And that's my money. I got a right to ask for my money. I got a right to tell somebody he didn't pay me. The Bible said, forgive men of their debt. That God forgive you your debtor. See, God is going to forgive you if you don't forgive them. That's a debt they owe you. God to forgive them for that debt. If you forgive them, how you not know how God going to bless you? How you not know how God going to open up another door beyond your wildest dream? How you not know that God can give you back 10000 Yeah, only 2000 God can give you back 10000 100000 God wants you to forgive. And when you forgive, you ain't lost nothing. You, they ain't paid you back no way. So why are you still talking about it? They hadn't paid you back. So you're just wasting your time talking about something anyway. You done made a man now, but they done heard you talking about him. Now you ain't going to pay you back. So you need to give it to God. You need to forgive debt. The Bible says forgive your debt, and you forgive your, you forgive your debt. Ask God to forgive your debt, and you forgive your debt. If anybody owe you, took your shovel, took your wreck, took your money, whatever they got of yours, let them have it. They don't care to bring it back. God will take care of it. There's the most shovels at Walmart. They can most shovel. They can most shovel at at HQ. They can they can most shovel at Harbor Freight. They can most freight at the Tractor Center. Oh, they plenty more shovels than for. It ain't worth your soul. Been lose out with God because of a shovel and a hoe and a rake or whatever you lent them and they didn't pay you back. And God forgave you far much more. That you could ever, that ever, that ever, that someone could do to you. That's what what the, the parable is about. That it was God that represent Jesus. One told the parable. They were letting us know that God forgave us far much more than we need to forgive somebody else. If God forgave you for all your sins, if God forgave you for all your shortcomings, if God forgave you for all your faults, then you too need to forgive one another. Then, the Colossians. The one verse, Colossians 3 and 13, tolerant with one another. We don't know how to put up with one another. We ain't perfect. We all mistake. Somebody takes us a while to get where we're going. Learn how to put up with people. Learn how to not have an attitude about folks. Learn how to tolerate someone. It don't mean you got to like them, but sometimes you got to tolerate them. You got to put up with them. You got to go along, not with what they're doing. Because they are brothers and brothers and sisters in the Lord. We like to learn how to deal with one another. Learn deal with them with their cranky ways. Yeah, they're cranky. You might have to stay away from them sometime with their cranky ways. You know how they is. You know they got an attitude. 
You know, you know it don't take much to stir up the feathers. So sometimes you got to stay away from people like that. Just tolerate with them. Amen. Let God fix it. Stay with it. They said we have to learn how to be tolerant of one another and forgive each other when we mess up. They said if anyone have a complaint against another, and we do, we go tell everybody else about it. We don't go tell the person we got the complaint with. We go to everybody else and tell them about the complaint we have, and we just make make things uh, a mess up thing. Now we don't call it animosity. We don't call it division. We don't call it separation. We don't call bitterness and bitter ill will towards one another because they don't heard that you talked about them. They don't heard that you hung their name on the signboard. They don't heard that you they don't heard that you lent them some money and they didn't pay the money back. Now, they might have was intending to pay it back, but now you don't put a wedge in the thing, and they ain't going to pay you back now, So you don't scan a lot of their name. name. And they don't heard this, and they feel bad that you did this. This is not what we do as brothers and sisters of the Lord. The Bible said, the Bible said, forgive them and let them have it. God will pay you back. You hear me? God will pay you back the law. God will give it back to you. That way you ain't messed up nobody's reputation. We have plank one of he suggested we have plank one against another. Just that the Lord forgave, we ought to forgive. Somebody do you wrong, forgive them. Somebody talked about you and you heard about it, forgive them. Somebody hung your name on the signboard, forgive them. Somebody talked about your family member, forgive them. Somebody talked about your sermon, and that offended you, forgive them. It's time that we get back to forgiveness, as the Bible says. And I go past, I done forgave them three times. Ah, maybe you ain't read the Bible. The Bible says seven times 70 in one day. Add that up and see how many times you forget. Ain't nobody going to sin against you seven times 70 in one day. So for that reason is you got to keep on forgiving. That's what that means. All that means is to have a forgiveness spirit, have a forgiveness heart. Keep on forgiving over and over. Every time they do you wrong, which I say ain't nobody going to do you wrong that much, but every time they do you wrong, be ready, ready, already to forgive. Have a compassionate heart. Let it go so that God can bless you, so God can take you to another level. And this is terrible. It's very simple. It's very simple. And for that reason, it shouldn't be hard for us to fall in line. Uh-huh. Look at, look, 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 look at Esau, how mad he was with Jacob. Jacob took his birthright. Yes, he did. Jacob took Jacob took Esau's birthright. Esau was supposed to be next in line. When Jacob died, Esau was supposed to take it. The birthright had power behind it. The birthright had authority behind it. The anointing was on the birthright. And whoever got that birthright was the one who, who got that relationship with God. The anointing was on it. It was supposed to go to Esau, but Esau sold it out to the pastor. Out in the field one day, while he was out there hungry, and he hadn't had nothing to eat for days. He was so hungry that he was about to famine. He thought he was going to famine. He thought he was going to faint before he got back home. And he met around and got halfway home, and there was Jacob out there. Jacob knew he hadn't ate nothing. Jacob is a trickster. Jacob already knew that Esau hadn't ate nothing. So he went out there and set a trap, and he cooked some potties. Oh, he cooked some potties, me. He cooked some potties. And it was hot boiling too. Oh my beef was turning into pot. And when Esau when when Esau got there, he was so hungry like he was about to faint it. 
He told Jacob, please give me something to party. He said, this is his brother. He should have gave it to him anyway. It was his brother. He should have did his brother. He shouldn't have charged him nothing. He shouldn't have said anything. He was a here, brother, take a piece of bread and eat yourself hungry. But he didn't do that. He said, I will if you give me your birthright. Esau being so hungry, being so 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 fainted, he said he was almost fainted. He said, whatever, it don't mean nothing no way. That mean, that's where he messed up at. He disrespected his birthright. Huh? That was something that God was anointed on. That was something that was special. But he said it wasn't nothing no way. What is that? He said, here, give me the party. You can have it. And he gave it to Jacob, not knowing that God was going to honor that. So when the time came for Jacob to die, he sent our Esau to get him to get him some. Esau knew how to, to cook something special that Jacob liked. And he sent Esau out to get it and cook it and bring it back. He wanted to eat it before he blessed him. So Esau left to go do that. And while Esau was gone, Jacob's mama closed him, and you know the story, closed him with fur like Esau. Esau was hairy from his head to his feet. So Jacob's mama took a, a animal skin, fur, and cut it up and made a coat, made a jacket, a shirt, made it, put it all on his arm and his back and everywhere, made it look like he was Esau or feel like it was Esau. So Jacob was blind. He had got blind in his old age. He could not see. And it takes a while to go out and get potties. But in just a few moments, Jacob was back with the potties that, that his mama cooked right quick because she wanted Jacob to get the blessing, cutting the long story short. And Jacob comes in and gives, I mean, he wanted, she wanted Jacob to get the blessing. So Jacob, so Jacob gave the blessing to, to uh, amen. Isaac gave the blessing, I'm sorry. Isaac gave the, the blessing to Jacob. Yes, Isaac gave the blessing. So, so Isaac was blind and could not see. So whenever Jacob gave him the potties, he ate it. He said, it, you don't sound like Esau, uh, but you feel like Esau. Because mama had covered him. His mama had covered him in sackcloth and covered him, with, you know, looking like Jacob, uh, uh, looking like Esau. And so anyway, long story short, Jacob, uh, Isaac said, you don't sound like Esau, but you feel like him. Are you sure you him? He said, yes, I am. I am Esau, Jacob did. And Jacob tricked him out of his blessing. Anyway, a long story short, when Esau found out about it, he came in, and he brought the parties. He put his daddy. He said, daddy, I, I got the party. He said, what do you mean you got the party? I just blessed you. He said, what do you mean? I ain't, I ain't been back. He said, well, I just blessed somebody. He said, your brother's going to trick you. His brother had tricked him and got his blessing. He said, Daddy, bless me too. But Daddy said, I can't because there ain't but one blessing like that. But I will pray for you, but I can't bless you with that blessing. And Esau told Jacob, and the reason I brought this story up, Esau told Jacob, I'm going to kill you. Soon as the funeral is over with, soon as we bury Daddy, I'm going to kill you. He was so angry. He was so mad. He had murder in his heart. He told his brother, you a dead man. I'm going to kill you. So, so, so Rebecca had to send Jacob away to the band house, his uncle, in order for Esau not to kill him. Because the long story short, ain't going to get in that Esau, what all he did while he was there in the band house. But I'm going to bring him on back home. Is that okay? I'm going to bring the boy back home. After 20 years, he done went out there and made a living, came back home with cattle and sheep and wives and servants and maids and concubines and everything. 
And on his way back, he heard that Esau heard he was coming, and Esau came to meet him with a whole lot of men, with an army almost. And Jacob thought for sure that Esau was coming to kill him because he told him that I'm going to kill you. And he ran away, and this has been 20 years later. So he's thinking that now that his life is in danger, he breaks his family up into three squads. There's one squad here, one squad there, and then he takes another squad and go across the river. He said, prevent if he attacked this squad or urge him to get away, thinking that his brother coming to shed blood to kill him. But he wrestled that night with an angel. You hear what I'm saying? He wrestled that night when he crossed the river. He wrestled with an angel. The angel changed his name. Changed his name. Changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Changed his name. Changed his name by the touching of his heel. He wouldn't turn the angel loose. The angel had to touch his heel, made him hop in order for him to let the angel go. And he said, I ain't going to let you go till you bless me. So the angel blessed him, and he went out there facing his brother, thinking that his brother going to kill him. But after 20 years, his brother had forgave him, but he didn't know it. And when he got to where his brother, he knelt down before him. Esau told him, get up off your knee, baby. You ain't got to worship me. He said, all these, what mean all that you're up there, all them cows and sheep and stuff you said? He said, they are yours. They are yours as an offering. I've given that to you. He said, I don't need it. I'm blessed. God has blessed me real good, and I don't need thank you for it, but I don't need it. He hugged his brother, hugged his neck, and kissed him on the neck, and got behind him and followed him into the city. Somebody decided to know. Got some 20-year-old forgiveness that you need to get rid of. You've been mad the last 20 years. You've been mad the last 10 years. You've been mad the last 15 years. You've been mad the last five years. Some of y'all got animosity in you. Some of you got unforgiveness in you. Even as I talk to Stephen God, it gave me this lesson. And when this, when, this, when this is over with, you need to get on the telephone. You need to get in your car. However you need to do it. You need to go to them individuals, go to that person that you've been mad. Some of us family members. You know how quick we can fall out with family members. Uncle Joe and Aunt so-and-so. Yeah, I know that aunt been mean. I know that uncle been mean. I know they did you wrong when you were little. But have mercy and ask God to help you forgive them. Let them know, yes, you were mean to me. You may not do it like that. You said you were mean to me when I was little. You did this to me. But you know what? I'm going to forgive you. I'm not going to live in prison no more. I'm not going to let this hang on my head no more. I'm going to let this thing go. And you need to let it go. Forgive them. Put it on the blood. Put it in the hands of God like Esau did and forgave Jacob. Huh? Forgive them. All the years them went by. And you ain't went to the family reunion. You ain't went to them. They live in New York. They've been down here, but you ain't been up there because you're mad. You all of a sudden, I ain't going. You go, go. I ain't going. I ain't going. Because she did this to me. And she did that to me. But I want you to know some family member did some stuff to me. Oh, and I won't even get into it. Some family member did some stuff. But today I have no hatred in my heart. I have no animosity. I don't even know. I say myself, I wonder do they know that they did this to me. I see them. They don't say nothing. Yeah, but I was little. They were older than me. They knew better. They knew better because they supposed to be protecting me. They weren't supposed to defile me. They weren't supposed to belittle me. They weren't supposed to dirty me. They weren't supposed to put their hand on me in a way that they were supposed to because they were family members. They supposed to be taking care of me and not molest me, not, 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 not disrespect me in that way. But they did. But I see them today, and I often wonder, 
I'd be wanting to say something, but I hadn't said nothing. But I want you to know I have forgiven them. I've forgiven them for everything they did to me. I forgive them for taking away my virtuousness. I forgive them for what they did to me. I'm talking to somebody. You need to let it go. You need to forgive. You need to let it go. You need to ask God to help you. Quit telling anybody. I ain't told nobody. You 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 ain't told nobody. We ain't nobody be the only one I told my wife. She the only one knows. I ain't told nobody. But they don't even know. I don't even know what they know. Maybe they maybe they maybe they do know and they're just too shame to say anything about it. I'm trying to help somebody. Let it go. Let whether your uncle, was your aunt, whether your cousin, whether somebody who kept you and put them in your garden. And they touch you in a way they want somebody to touch you. They molest you. They defile you. They took away your virginity. They took away your, your virtuousness. I know you can't get that bad. They did what they did was so wrong. But forgive them. I want to help somebody. Forgive them. Let it go. Put it on the blood. Give it to Jesus, baby. It's too heavy to carry. It was too, it, I carried it for a while. It was too heavy to carry. I carried it until I got saved. But when I got saved, God helped me get rid of God. I was still mad. I was still angry. I still was, had unforgiveness in my heart. To one day, God let me know, you can't. You got to let that go. You got to let. You got to forgive them too. They may never come back to you, says the Lord, and forgive you. They may never come back and say they're sorry. I'm waiting for them to come back and say they're sorry. God said they may never come back. I come out and tell you, they may never come back and say they're sorry. But you got to forgive them anyway. You got to put it on the blood. Some of them might be in the grave that did you wrong. Even in the grave, you got to forgive them so you can get the burden off of you. You got to forgive them even though they sleep. They don't go into judgment. Are you still mad? Let it go. Let it go. I'm talking to somebody this evening, let it go, baby. With the help of God, I couldn't do it with God, God help. I needed God help. I couldn't even tell my mama. They hurt so bad. I felt so guilty. I felt as though I was guilty. I couldn't tell my mama because in those days, you, you, you know, you couldn't say anything about grown people doing this because they call you a liar. And you can't call grown people a liar. And mom and dad wouldn't believe you. For some reason or another, they believe them, but they believe you. And then they told me, say, if you tell it, if you tell it, they, this going to happen and that going to happen. And they put fear in you. So you keep it a lifetime. But I'm so glad that I'm free. Praise the Lord, I'm free. No more abound. Uh, no more unforgiveness holding me. It's just a blessing. Oh, it's just a blessing. It's a blessing to be free. It's a blessing to be free from unforgiveness. I want to free somebody to receive it. You've been bound up, chained down with unforgiveness for a long time. You see, I come in the name of Jesus. I come with a remedy to see it. I come with a key to unlock your handcuffs. I come with a key, shata, itaboshe, to unlock your shackles, to let you go free to see it. And that key is Jesus, Mary, baby, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the rock hewed out of the mountain, the cornerstone, the great I am, in the name of Jesus, the almighty God, by the power of his son Jesus, can free you this evening from your bondage, from your unforgiveness. And I ask you to accept that this evening. I ask him to forgive you for not, for not forgiving them. Ask him to forgive you for not forgiving them and forgive them, forgive them whether or not they ask you for forgiveness or not. Call the name out. Tell the Lord you forgive them in sincerity. Now, you're going to feel so much better. I wish you could call me and tell me that you feel so much better. I wish you could call me and tell me if I, Apostle Lockwood, this message was to me. My number is 910-658-5206, 910-658-5206. 
5206. I feel so strong about this. I just want to know I helped somebody. I just want to know that this message really helped you. I just want to know this message brought you security. This message brought you scowl. I just want to know that this message freed you. I want to know that this message lifted the burden off of you. I want to, I want to know that this message gave you a, a, a new outlook on life. That you would say, Apostle, thank you. This message really blessed me. This message really healed me. This message really, I feel the anointing running all over me while I'm talking to you. Somebody getting a breakthrough right now. Shata, Ika, Ishan, da, 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 boshe. Ita, ba, 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 bo, bo, boshe. Ita, ba, she. Somebody getting a breakthrough right now. Somebody getting a delivered right now. Somebody getting a healing right now. Somebody going to feel better right now. Somebody going to sleep right now. Somebody putting their husband back in the bed. Somebody putting their wife back in the bed. Somebody putting that division away from them. Somebody sitting back at the kitchen table with their children and with prayer. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. <coughs> I thank God for what the Holy Ghost is doing right now. God, glory is showing up in these situations. God, glory is bringing a change. God, glory is fixing some things right now. God, glory is healing some things right now. God, glory is making some things whole right now. God, glory is mending some things back together right now. God, God, glory is breaking some yoke right now. God, glory is setting the captives free right now. God, is giving somebody a, a greater understanding. The Bible says in all you're getting, get an understanding. The only understanding that you had was a negative understanding. You were thinking the way you thought. You were comforting your thinking and thinking you were right. But God's going to give you a new mindset. God's going to give you a new way of thinking. You're going to think this thing through the right way this time. And when you get through thinking it through the right way, it's going to turn out right. The reason it's been turned out wrong, because you've been thinking right. Shata. You've been thinking wrong, so that's why it's been turned out wrong. But God's going to give you a new mindset and a new way of thinking. Thank you, God, for the message this afternoon about unforgiveness. We're all guilty, Lord, in some way or another. People hurt us. People wound us. People offend us. People break us. People molest us. People did things in the dark that nobody else knows nothing about, and we weren't able to do nothing. It made us feel guilty, God, and it made us angry at them. It made us bitter at them. It brought animosity at us, oh, God. It made us hate them, oh, God, in the name of in a bitter way. But if you would help us this evening to forgive those folks that offended us, forgive us those folks that molest us, forgive us those folks that touched us in the wrong way, that defiled us, that took our shovel, took our hoe, took our money, took our name, stabbed us in our back. We helped them, oh, God, and they heard us in return. If you would just help us, oh, God, help us in the name of Jesus. Help us to forgive them. Help us to love them. Help us to bury it, Lord. Help us to put it behind us, oh, God. Help us to unshackle us from this thing. Unshackle us, God, from our handcuffs and our shackles. Unshackle us from this burden. Unshackle us from this, this heaviness, oh, God. Dry the tears up right now, God. A mood of mood of bitterness, Lord. Mood of remorse, God, and bring joy. Put joy in the place of the hurt. Put joy in the place of the remorse. Put joy in the place of the bitterness. Put joy in the place of the animosity. Put joy in the place of the sadness. Put a smile on our face and joy in our we give it to you, God. We give it to you. We give it to you because you the only one can fix it. And we praise you for it. We honor and we lift you up. In Jesus' name, we do pray, God. The glory, the honor, and all the praise is yours. We lift you up. It's yours. We're going to be all right. Tomorrow's going to be a better day, God. Why? 
because we commit this thing into your hand, knowing that you're able to do everything but fail. You're the unfailing God, and you're not going to fail us. We're going to feel better tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a greater outlook. We're going to tell that person we're sorry. We're going to ask them to forgive us, Lord. We're going to do what we're told to do. And surely we'll forever give you praise, give you honor, and give you glory. Bless the radio world. Bless every ear that is listening. That the word might not go out and come back void, but accomplish what you said out to do in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen.